0: This is Rachel, and I'm delighted to welcome you to this episode of What the Finance. One of our strongly held values on the What the Finance team is that our families come before anything else, which is why you'll be hearing a whole lot of my voice with our guests over the next few weeks. Now, you can still chat with Cheyenne and I on our Discord server, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are also reachable via email at what underscore the underscore finance at protonmail.com There will be links to our online spaces in the show notes and the episode transcription as well. Now, I did also want to give a friendly reminder that we have a Patreon where you can subscribe for additional What the Finance content for as little as $3 a month. Now, finally, this episode was recorded on the lands of the Dakota, Kloss, and Seminole people. We recognize and support their sovereignty, express our appreciation for their stewardship of our natural resources, and seek to demonstrate our commitment to dismantle the systems of oppression that negatively impact our Black and brown kin. All right. Well, welcome, everybody, to this episode, the third of our season for What the Finance? Now, as our longtime listeners might know, Cheyenne is going to be gone for a few weeks, and I am joined by Stephanie Hoffman. He's going to be spending a little bit of time in this episode, just having a conversation about family finances and how you maybe approach uh, finances with your spouse. So Stephanie, welcome to What the Finance. Hi, Rachel. Thanks for having me. So Stephanie, I guess just getting to know you a little bit more. Can you tell our audience a little bit about what you do professionally and anything else interesting? about yourself that you'd like to share.
1: Sure, I'm a lawyer. I um, work for an insurance company. I've been in practice since 2005. I'm married and I have two kids ages 14 and 10. Um, I live in Southwest Florida and uh, we bought our house in 2005 right out of law school because I was really worried about um, how the housing market was going crazy then. And right. we've lived in it for 17 years and it's going crazy again.
0: Isn't it really kind of one of those situations where like the more things change, the more they stay the same.
1: Absolutely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I know in my own journey, my spouse and I have been married for um, coming up on 12 years and also both, uh, we both have advanced degrees, but uh, have not purchased a house because one of the things that has changed between 2005 and when, Uh, I finished my own graduate degree in 2020 is that now your student loans count in your debt to income ratio. And I have a graduate degree in the loans to prove it. So we're going to be renting for a while.
1: (laughs) I wish I had known then what I know now, and I would not have bought a house then.
0: And this is my perception as somebody who does not own a home, but I feel like, just based on what i hear from people who are homeowners right like yourself there's never actually i mean at least like in the last maybe like 15 20 years there's never actually been a great time to buy a house is that sense would you say accurate or or no we bought
1: this house thinking that it was going to be a place that we would just get established. And then when we had money and time, we were going to have kids in the future and Mm. we were going to buy a bigger house then because we would need it. And we had surprise kids. And then we never actually moved. So I would agree that there's, it's, it's kind of like having children. There's never a great time to do it. The time to do it is when you need to do it. And we needed to get out of an increasing rental market like it is now because I couldn't afford the uncertainty.
0: Gosh, isn't that the truth? So I guess as I'm thinking through, you know, not just housing, but uh, kind of like those early days with my spouse and I and kind of trying to figure out, right, like as very young adults, like how are we going to do this? money thing, we really ended up combining our finances more out of a matter of practicality. Cause when we first started renting, we still had to write a check, like an actual paper check for our rent. <laughs> <laughs> Which like and I'm in my mid thirties, but like I talk to people now in their early twenties, and it's just like a blank slate across their faces when I tell them that you have that I had to write a check like they have no idea what I'm talking about and my spouse had a checking account but no checks and he wouldn't get checks and so I went well fine we're just if you don't want to get checks and we're just getting a joint account so that I can write a check for our rent what <laughs> and that was kind of like and now we have a joint account and we just do everything jointly and we My kids are a little bit younger than yours, but, you know, when it comes to like paying for daycare and all that kinds of things, like, it just seems kind of like a mess, at least for me to handle separate accounts. But what has your experience with that been?
1: So we do the um, mine, yours and ours method. So we each have separate Mm -hmm. checking accounts that our paychecks get deposited into and when I started working, I actually got a paper paycheck that I would have to take down to the bank. And right. everybody at the state attorney's office got paid once a month in Florida. And so the, mm. the receptionist would announce that our paychecks were in and there'd be a mad rush to get the paychecks. And then everybody would go run down to the bank and deposit them <laughs> because we only got paid <laughs> once a month and we desperately needed that money when it came in. But the digression, yeah. um, so we, between the two of us, we have five checking accounts. Um, we ha- we each have a checking account, a savings account, and then we have a joint account where we each contribute money to pay the household bills. Okay. It's been a work in progress over the years for how we separate yeah. our bills. Sorry about the dogs.
0: That's okay. We,
1: um, we try and check in about every three to six months to see what our bills are and how much money we actually need to pay to keep everything in balance. Um, It also allows for us to have a bit of, you know, fun spending money that the other partner is not, you know, looming over your shoulder and saying, why are you spending money on that? For my husband, his, his fun is going to buy records. Mine is getting all the Starbucks (laughs) So he doesn't give me a whole lot of, um, you know, he doesn't give me a grief about, you know, two or three times a week that I'm going down and getting a $6 coffee and I don't get, give him grief for getting, you know, a record or two or three a month. And then we can save money together. And I actually have a spreadsheet of all of our expenses (laughs) that the entire family can see, you know, what I'm paying each month, when the bills are coming due and, um, And it works out really well for us because then we know exactly how much we have coming in and how much is going out at each time. So we don't necessarily pay all the bills. We don't, like, we carry credit card debt and we don't necessarily pay off our credit card at once because we have unforeseen expenses come up, but we have a plan to pay them off and they are manageable the way it is.
0: That's awesome. You know, and I think I really... Like within the personal finance space, I think that any type of debt really is viewed as the worst thing that you could ever possibly imagine having, right? Like, you know, you should never have debt for, I guess, depending on who you are, right? Like people go as extremists to like, you should buy your house in cash and you should pay for your college degrees in cash and you should never have a credit card and it's the worst thing you can do. But um, I think exactly like you're talking about, you know, when you are, particularly when you're in a family, right, that like, you have things that come up, your spouse has things that come up, like your kids go, oh, hey, mom, I forgot that there's this field trip that you need to write a check for, you know, send cash or whatever. Uh, You know, you can go into the parent portal and pay for this field trip online, and you need to do it by tomorrow. Like, um, (laughs) I'm kind of getting into that, that phase of life. As we We speak, like it's kind of a necessity in my view.
1: Had to buy two computers and a laser jet printer in the last three weeks. So it (laughs) is, you know, surprises all around and that's okay. We're going to pay off that debt in three months. Like we have a plan we're carrying a little bit. It's not the worst thing in the world. I've come to peace with it, you know, having 25 years of student loan debt. There's some things that I'm just never going to pay off that. And we carry a mortgage and that's a fixed expense that we're going to be paying for a long time, but I know exactly how much it costs. I know how much interest it is. Um, It's not going to change. So I can, we can plan for contingencies.
0: Right now. I'm curious if you'd be willing to talk a little bit about these quarterly meetings that you have to kind of go through to make sure that you guys are staying on the same page with, you know, what you're contributing to your joint accounts.
1: I, I am definitely the finance geek in the family. Um, I have to bribe my husband by taking him to uh, the brewery down the street. <laughs> he goes begrudgingly, but I make him sit down and listen to how much money that we're spending in You know, on our credit cards and what we are spending on, because luckily, like American Express and Visa and and the we have you know about five credit cards. They all tell us what we're you know what the breakdown is and what we're spending. And if I notice that we're spending too much eating out, we'll readjust that and maybe plan to eat do more dinners in or plan to eat at you know McDonald's instead of a slightly more expensive restaurant. So those meetings just go over what we're spending, what we will plan to pay for our credit cards each month to make sure that we are paying down whatever debt we're carrying. And so we're still putting in a, enough money. It's also a meeting to have us plan for our vacations or any any um, fun things that we're going to do over the next year so that we're saving appropriately so that we can go on those with minimal debt. We did just right. take an epic trip. As kind of like a celebration of, of COVID release over the summer where we spent a lot of money driving around this country and having a, a wonderful time. So we had, we had planned for that. We spent a little bit more money than we had wanted to. But that just means that we're going to scale back for the next like six to nine months on any other crazy things that we would do like go to Disney World for a day or two that's not in the cards now.
0: Right. It was my own experience is also that, you know, when, if you're having those meetings semi-regularly, if one of you is starting to kind of chafe against what feels maybe unnecessarily restrictive, the other person can go, Hey, 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 no. Remember that we did this giant cross country trip. uh, Five, six, seven months ago. Do you remember that that was fun? Yeah. This is the, this is the other side of the fun. <laughs> exactly. And you we, know. Have
1: each, we each agree that we need to have something to look forward to so that, oh, yeah. you know, getting through the month of us just going through the drudgery of day-to-day stuff is worth it. And the something to look forward to could be something really small, like we're going to go visit my parents for the weekend and go spend the day in <laughs> Tampa, Florida, you know, something like that. It's, just having something small to look forward to takes the the pain of saving out in those meetings we also do discuss our yeah. savings for retirement so i don't right. recommend like just spending mad money on anything without saving for retirement we both have 401k's we both do employer matches to the max like we're saving so that we can retire at some point in our lifetime <laughs>
0: I mean, right, right. I, um, you know, when it comes to retirement and we actually have an episode coming up on that pretty soon here. Um, so I'm based in Minnesota and I am employed by the state and Minnesota is a pretty strong, uh, what should I say? Minnesota has a very strong labor union tradition. Um, <laughs> and all state employees are part of the labor union. Uh, And one of the things that goes into it is uh, mandatory saving for retirement with employer matching. So I don't have to think about it (laughs) like at all. And I, uh, I don't know many people who are to the point in their careers where I am, where they're saving uh, seven to 10% with plus employer matching uh, into their 401ks. But I am. And I appreciate that because there's also a lot to think about, right? Like when you're talking about uh, like building your your life and having the the money that you want. If you can automate anything, you should do it. (laughs) Just in my opinion. Yeah, it takes the edge off. I
1: am so... um... Going through a couple recessions in my adult life, I'm so worried about automating everything. I have a lot of bills automated, but I still have things like my mortgage that I have to actually press a button so that it pays. And it's just because even though I've been working with this employer for almost six years and I've had steady employment since I graduated from law school, I'm always a little bit concerned that there's going to be one month when I just don't have any income coming in and if everything will just all of my money will go away I don't know where this paranoia came from but it's definitely there
0: <laughs> right well I mean so I know you just shared that you used to work at the state attorney's office there in Florida um and so I am now this is just like me being nosy so feel free to tell me if it's none of my business but um is the state attorney's office in Florida also funded by um, the legislature? Yes. Um, yes. Okay. And I and went
1: I, for eight years. I went for eight years without a raise.
0: So I know what I've worked for the state of Minnesota for my entire adult life. And there have been several times where our legislature didn't pass a budget by the deadline. Um, and so I have actually had that experience as a state employee where like, uh, nope, there wasn't gonna be any money coming in for two or three weeks.
1: Exactly. because then- the
0: legislature decided to uh, play party politics with people's livelihoods. So I think it's fair just for what it's worth that you have that. <laughs>
1: We all went through our own yeah. mini um, recessions in in our own livelihood. It sounds like, yeah, I yeah, I did have that. I did have government shutdowns, um, and being and since we were only paid once a month, um, it really hurt. There were times when I had like oh, yeah. twenty dollars in our account, uh, but at least I still had health care paid for, <laughs> for whatever it's well, worth.
0: <laughs> I mean, so yeah, yeah, you can't. There's no food on the table, but you'll be okay if you break your arm. Um, (laughs) Or whatever. Um, What a time this has been, you know, to kind of be coming up into, uh, I guess, really entering adulthood and then being in that space in your life where people look at you and go, oh, yes, you're a real adult and you know uh, right, I can talk to you about saving for retirement, or it's okay to have a credit card to manage your family's finances. Like, this is quite the time to do it, you know, these last 20 years or so. <laughs> I was, um,
1: I was very lucky that my parents uh, had a frank discussions about finances when I was growing up. So You know my parents showed me credit card bills and said this is how much money they never told me how much money they made which irks me a bit um my kids do know that we make enough money to cover our bills and i show them how much money my husband and i contribute to our finances um but uh, having them show me like things like how to make a budget and how to budget the amount of money that you're saving and spending and how to control yourself and how to like pay your credit cards when the bills come in so that you don't get late charges. Um, it, I really appreciated that, but yeah, it is quite a time to be alive. Um, I like to joke that when people's uh, people look for the adult in the room and I always used to like look around with them and now like they're looking at me because I'm, <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Like, what is Is there somebody behind me? Because I'm not an adult.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Are right. you, know, um, of course, like we're not that far apart in age, but um, yeah, I'm a big Star Wars fan and was reading an article recently about Hayden Christensen because he reprised his role as Darth Vader for the Obi Wan series. Uh, and he has an eight year old daughter, and so he hasn't acted in star wars since his eight-year-old daughter was born and i went oh i have an eight-year-old daughter and then i read that he was um he's 41 and i went how do i how do i feel about this like it's totally logical for somebody in their 40s to be my contemporary and yet there's all this social baggage
1: (laughs) of being in your 40s right
0: like right like i can remember my um Right, like my dad turning 40 and everybody going, oh, you're over the hill. And I'm like, well, now as an adult, I can go, well, that was stupid. But it still is kind of back there, you know, <laughs> like, and you're going, yeah, no. OK, this is it. People are looking for the adultier adult. And well, it's me. I was blessed,
1: <laughs> I was blessed to turn 40 um, right as the pandemic was hitting. So nobody cared.
0: that is a blessing
1: it just it just slipped right by and here i am still existing at 42 and it's fine
0: right like (laughs) surprise you're still here and you're doing great (laughs) yeah no i got um those braces i mentioned earlier i got them right after i turned 30 i kind of went from people going wait maybe this lady is like maybe she looks old enough to know what she's talking about To like, oh, wait, braces. Nope, this is very obviously a teenager. Um, And then we all had to mask up and it went right back to, wait, this lady looks like she's old enough to know what she's talking about. So I've appreciated that.
1: (laughs) Oh, I definitely appreciate that. I, well, I started going gray at about 25 and I have mm. I have some like gray Bride of Frankenstein streaks in my hair that come out from my temples, <laughs> and it, they've been very useful to me as a trial lawyer because then people like a, a little bit further on into my career, people started taking me um, seriously because I looked older than I was. So I don't, right. I I completely appreciate like having people having other. Co- peers uh look to you as somebody with authority and just trying to look like you know what you're talking about
0: <laughs> right right um so my apologies i kind of got us off, off track there just completely on my own but i think just kind of closing us out as i think about things that i wish that i would have known early in my experiences of like building a family budget one thing that I wish that somebody would have very explicitly said to me was, you know that you're only going to get better at this with practice, right? Because I often had the experience where people would go, oh, well, I'm just not good with money. I don't know what to do. And so they wouldn't do anything. Of course, it turns out that managing money is a lot like any other skill. You just keep working at it and suddenly you find that you're good at it, just like being an adult. Uh, <laughs> Is there anything that um that you know now that you would like to share for like other people to also know?
1: Not everybody enjoys talking about money. I I do. I think talking about budgets and financing and things like that is fun. I work for an insurance company. I mean, this is the type of nerd that I am. <laughs> uh, but my husband Hates it, and it's because he, of his family background, um, he grew up not knowing if there was actually going to be food on the table. So him talking about money is is painful, and uh, it takes a lot of trust to be able to um, discuss things like budgeting and owing money and where you know planning for the future with with a partner to so know that there's not going to be judgment if you find out that there was maybe some credit card debt before you met, or maybe there was a, even like a default judgment in court before you met, just so that you enter the relationship and then you continue the relationship with trust. That's why we have, you know, quarterly or so check-in meetings to make sure that we're still back, still in the same track and the same freight frame of mind in um, where we want to go with the budget together.
0: I love that so much. Stephanie, thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate your time this afternoon.
1: Thanks for having me. My pleasure.